Today is October 25th, and it's another glorious day that the Lord has made. Um, we are thankful and joyful that He has us here, that we are um, alive, that we're breathing, that He has just gave us the sun, the air, our children, um, our spouses. Uh, count the blessings this morning. Um, just a few announcements that I want to make to you all. Again, if you're watching, thank you for tuning in, for checking us out. Um, wherever it is that you're watching, I, if you have any comments or questions, please feel free to leave them in the designated areas. I believe on YouTube, you can put them in the bottom section of this video, underneath the description. And if you're watching on Facebook, um, you can leave it in the comment section. Uh, you can also go to our website, fvcelp.org, um, and there you will find all the information you need about our church. We are a Calvary Chapel Church in Northeast El Paso, and we're located on the corner of Hondo Pass and Gateway South. And if you're here locally in the area, we invite you to come and check us out sometime. Uh, we also are asking that you spread the word where we're at, what we're doing here, uh, by sharing and liking uh, these videos, putting them out there um, so that others can see it, um, so that others may be blessed by it. We're getting close to the end of the month, and we are quickly approaching uh, Election Day. Um, it's definitely another important year. Um, the direction our country will go. I'm not going to stand here and tell you who to vote for or, you know, what you, that's, that's up to you. That's up to you and God and, you know, what, but I want you to definitely go out there and vote. Um, we have that, we're blessed with that freedom, with that right to, to vote, to make our voices heard. And uh, there's a lot of countries out there that don't, have that right, don't have that freedom. So uh, use that blessing and definitely take advantage of it. So go out and, and, and vote. So with that, um, we'll get going with today's message. A couple weeks ago, we finished the Gospel of Luke. And for the past couple weeks, I've been praying about where uh, the Lord is going to be leading me. And so he has led me to the Old Testament book, of Habakkuk and that's where we're going to be parking ourselves for the next few weeks now if you've been with us for a while you know that I usually typically like to give a good thorough introduction about the book now, Habakkuk provides for us one of the most remarkable sections of in all of scripture as it contains an extended dialogue between Habakkuk and God. Now the prophet initiated this conversation based on his distress about God's inaction in the world. So he wanted to see God do something more, particularly in the area of justice for evildoers. The book of Habakkuk pictures a frustrated prophet and maybe 
when we go through this book, you'll understand. Maybe you have felt frustrated with what you're seeing, what's been going on in your life, what you're seeing maybe on your television sets, what you've been seeing on online in the news. But much like Jonah, Habakkuk channeled his frustration through into prayers and eventually praised God rather than trying to run from the Lord as Jonah did. Now, have you ever finished, let me ask you this question, have you ever finished watching the evening news or spending time after reading the, the latest headlines on your tablet or on your smartphone or wherever it is that you're watching it and you see all the violence and injustice going on around the world all the chaos going on in different cities and um, what's going on in our in politics in the highest uh, places of our of our government the, com- the corruption the hypocrisy um, and you just it just frustrates you and you a- ask yourself or you start asking why isn't God doing something about this? Why do the wicked, the wicked prosper and, and the dishonest people, why are they looking like they're the ones who are, getting a, who are taking advantage of everything? Well, that feeling that you have isn't a new feeling. A prophet named Habakkuk felt that way and he wrote a book about it. The book of Habakkuk offers us a picture of a prideful people being humbled while the righteous live by faith in God. It reminds us that while God may seem silent and uninvolved in our world, He always has a plan to deal with evil and will always work out injustice eventually in His time and according to his will. The example of the prophet of the prophet Habakkuk encourages believers, encourages us as Christians to wait on the Lord, expecting that he will indeed work out all things for our good, just as Romans 8.26 says. So, before we begin digging into this chapter, um, I want to share with you again some important information that might be helpful to you as we go through this book. So before we do that, let's ask the Lord to, to, to speak to us. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, for all those that are here, for all those that are watching. I pray you and or listening. I pray that you bless them abundantly, Lord. I pray that you uh, speak to them powerfully, Lord. May your seed, may your word just go out there and bear fruit, Lord. Lord, we now sit at your feet to hear the words you have to say, Lord. We show us more, Lord. We need to know about the prophet Habakkuk and this book and why he wrote it. Lord, so that when we go home and read it before we begin covering it next week, that we are familiar with it, Lord. So, 
Fill this room with your spirit, Lord. Remove all distractions. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, <laughs> let me begin with the, tell you a little bit about the author and the date this book was written. As the name implies, the, the very first verse of Habakkuk identifies Habakkuk as the author of the book. Now, not much is known about this prophet beyond the two mentions of his name in this book of prophecy. In verses, in, in chapter 1, verse 1, and in chapter 3, verse 1, he identified himself as Habakkuk the prophet, a term that seems to indicate that Habakkuk was a professional prophet. This could mean that Habakkuk was trained in the law of Moses and maybe a prophetic school or institution that may have cropped up after the days of Samuel. Additionally, this the last verse directed, the last verse of this entire book, directed to the, it was directed to the choir director on my stringed instruments, suggesting that Habakkuk may have been a Levitical musician. These priests were tasks were tasked with the worship of God at the temple. Now, what does the name Habakkuk mean? You know, have you ever looked, done a deep dive into the names of some of these uh, people that are found in your Bibles? Well, the name Habakkuk means to embrace or an embracer, or uh, also to fold the hands, perhaps indicating his love for the Lord as exemplified by his bold interactions with him. Martin Luther suggested that Habakkuk offered a comforting message to his people. Jerome proposed that the name indicates that Habakkuk's Habakkuk's embracing the problem of divine justice. Perhaps Habakkuk's ultimate confidence in the Lord, despite all circumstances, is the Lord's embrace of the prophet with comfort. Now, determining the date of this book, when this book was written, is a little bit easier than dating all maybe all the other books in the Bible. The reason for this is because there are verses in which Habakkuk mentions an imminent Babylonian invasion. Jewish and biblical historians believe this event may have occurred in 605 BC, roughly 20 years before the total destruction of Judah's capital city, Jerusalem, in 586 B.C. So if the dating is to remain uh, close to the Babylonian invasion, Habakkuk likely prophesied in the first five years of Jehoiakim's Jero, um, reign between 609 and 598 B.C. 
Now, I want to take some time though and give you a little, just a little bit more, be a little bit more specific about some of the things that were going around, going on around this time. When King Josiah died between 640 and 609 BC, all the spiritual reforms that he enacted quickly crumbled. The next king, King Jehoiakim, sorry, that's I was trying to say it right. Jehoiakim took over after uh, uh, Josiah had died, but he led his people into evil. And shortly thereafter, the moral character of Judah returned to violence, iniquity, and wickedness. By all indication, indications, judgment of the Lord was just over the horizon. And sure enough, it didn't take long for God to proclaim to Habakkuk the horrific news that he was raising up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, in judgment on Judah. Now, since Habakkuk was a contemporary of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, he shared with them a similar prophetic message of Babylon's coming invasion. Habakkuk's prophecy was directed to a world that, through the eyes of God's people, must have seen on the edge of disaster. Even when the northern kingdom had been destroyed in 722 BC, God's people had remained in Judah. However, with another powerful foreign army on the rampage, faithful people like Habakkuk were wondering what God was doing. Hadn't he given the land to his people? Would he now take it away? Well, the message Habakkuk recorded seems to have been, have been for the righteous remnant of Judah. It was meant to encourage them to remain faithful during those days that, of judgment that lay ahead. Habakkuk's prayer of faith it still stands today as a remarkable witness of true faith and undying hope in a dark and uncertain world. It's a source of hope for faithful believers when it seems like difficult days are ahead. John Newton said this, If the Lord, if the Lord be with us, we have no cause of fear. His eyes are upon us, his arm over us, his ear open to our prayer, his grace sufficient, his promise unchangeable. Now, there are a few themes here that are found in this book that are important to, to know and to keep in mind. Now, first, I want to explain what the overall theme of this, what this book is. Like Job, the book of Habakkuk deals with the troubling issue of the goodness of God in the face of evil. In particular, 
Habakkuk asks, how can a righteous God use the more wicked to judge the less wicked? And how should believers respond when he does? The tension becomes more acute when God has determined that repentance and faith may delay his judgment, but cannot stop it. This means the experience of God's discipline precedes his deliverance. The answer to Habakkuk's question hinges on the depth and purity of faith with close ties to an understanding of God's corrective discipline towards those whom he delights and his ultimate judgment of those he uses to correct his people. So in an honest journey from complaint to doubt to resolution, faith and praise, Habakkuk shows that God's justice ultimately prevails so that above all, he, God, can be trusted and glorified. Now this book includes several significant theological themes. And let me give you just four of them here, some of these theological themes. God's sovereignty. Within the next few weeks, we'll be seeing in Habakkuk how the Lord is eternal and his word is certain. Ultimately, all the people in the world will recognize him and that he alone is in control of all the events in the world. He right now is in control of everything that is going around, going on in our world. He is in control of who's going to be, you know, the next president, who's going to be the next governor, who's going to be the next representative, who's going to take over the Senate, who's going to take over the House. You know, he is in charge. He is in control. Another theological theme is God's justice. This book will show us how the Lord is holy and will not. Let me repeat that. He will not overlook wickedness, even though the timing of his actions may surprise us. Thirdly, God's, we're going to see another theological theme here is God's requirement of faith. You'll see how even in the face of seeming injustice and maybe oncoming evil, the righteous must live by faith in God. And why is that? Because the Lord, even at that time when all seemed to be going, everything seemed to be going horribly, just everything looked pessimistic. Again, it was the end of the, it was going to be the end of the world. God was still at work. And the faithful must wait for the appointed time when his salvation will be revealed to the whole world. 
Now the last one, theological theme here is be found in the closing chapter of this book. And it's linked to the work of the Messiah, God's anointing. And when we get there, I'll explain that even, I'll explain that more. But he does, we are told about God's provision of salvation there in that third chapter. Now, why do we have this book here? Why is it, what's the purpose behind the book of Habakkuk? Why do we have it there? The book's purpose is to examine the issue of God's justice on a, again, grander scale uh, on a national level by asking the question, how can God, how can a just God use a wicked nation like Babylon as his instrument of punishment? For Habakkuk, this really, this really wasn't a matter of whether the people of Judah weren't deserving of punishment. He knew and he understood that they were. He saw their wickedness. He knew that that there was uh, they had were doing wicked things, that they were just uh, morally they were just bankrupt. What Habakkuk wanted to know was if God if God gave the Babylonians victory over Judah um, if he did that would it show God's approval of the Babylonians? And again, that's the question that will be answered in this book. In many ways, this book deals with the same basic issue as the book of Job. But here's the difference. Job was concerned about the injustice of God when a righteous individual is suffering. Habakkuk, though, was concerned about the justice of God at a time when a wicked nation is suffering. As in the book of Job, the message of the book is found in God's response. In Job, he is answered by being confronted, confronted with the awesome wisdom of God. In Habakkuk, his vision of seeing what God will do accomplishes accomplish the same thing. You see, the display of God's presence should be one, should be in one sense sufficient in and of itself to promote trust, even when it seems like the answer's aren't forthcoming. But unlike the book of Job, God did give Habakkuk a few answers as well. These actually serve as the core message of this book. A twofold answer to Habakkuk's question concerning, concerning God's use of the Babylonians helps to put things in their proper perspective. And again, I'm giving you a, a good review, good, uh, overview of what we're going to be seeing in this book. And, and that's okay because I want you to know ahead of time what 
we're going to be looking at here. And I also would recommend going home and, and reading it and studying it yourself. But the first part of the answer is, giving in, is given in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, where individual responsibility is addressed. Even when the world is in confusion and God's purposes and plans are obscured, the righteous person has a responsibility to conduct themselves with integrity. And this is something I've talked to my boys about. What is the definition of integrity? It's doing the right thing, even when no one is looking. So as believers, if you consider yourself a born-again believer, you, you know, there's a lot of people who, ha- who are there aren't believers that have integrity. I've seen that, but as believers, you know, the, the bar is raised even higher. So even when it seems like everyone's getting away with murder, or everyone seems to be getting away with all kinds of wickedness, integrity is being like, nope, not me. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to act like like that. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to follow him. And I'm not going to I'm not going to do these wicked things. I want to make my father happy. Again, conducting yourself with integrity. See, it's in those situations That faithfulness to God and trust in Him is the most difficult, but also the most significant. See, in the trying, in the shadow of trying circumstances, the integrity and faith of a righteous person it shines like a beacon. Now, the second part of the answer offers more, offers some assurances with regard to God's justice. And that message, the message of chapter 2, verses 6 through 20, is that God would punish the Babylonians for their wickedness, but that would be at a later time. His use of the Babylonians as instruments to punish Judah, it didn't imply his approval of them. However, until their time of punishment arrived, God could and would use them to achieve his will and purpose. This leads me to share with you six principles that this three-chapter book will give us and or show us. God sometimes seems to be inactive. But let me tell you this, he's involved. In chapter 1, verse 12, it will show us 
that the Babylonians were under God's control and he was using them to achieve his purpose, to achieve his purposes. Another principle we'll find here is that God is holy. In the following verse, in in chapter 1, verse 13, Habakkuk will tell us that God could not approve evil. This should be a sobering thought to us as we struggle with temptations, sins, and bad habits, which is a euphemism for sins. Another principle is God hears and answers prayers. Just as God will hear Habakkuk's prayer, you need to know that your Heavenly Father will hear yours as well. It says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, this is the confidence we have before Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. Let me repeat that once again just to emphasize this point. This is the confidence we have before Him. If we ask anything according to His will, a lot of people seem to forget that. You know, they pray uh, for maybe that new car or, you know, that, that awesome husband and wife or, or maybe, I don't know, that house, that job, and they don't get it or, you know, and they get all mad and upset. Well, again, we have to understand that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He will hear you. That's what the Word of God says. He hears you. And if we know that He hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. Know that and be assured of that. Another principle, God sometimes gives unexpected answers to our prayers. When we pray, we usually have in our minds the way we want God to answer. God, I I want that new motorcycle, or I want that new phone, or that new Xbox, or, you know, uh, I want to go to that university. I want to go to that, yeah. Whatever it may be, you have in your mind that God will how, you know, maybe he'll answer. Yeah, yeah, you'll have it. Go ahead and do what you need to do, you know. But when he answers differently, we think that he hasn't answered at all. But that may not be the case. Again, he's answering according to his way, his will, his purpose. Another principle, principle number five. God is just. 
and God is good. He will judge the wicked, and He, our Heavenly Father, is concerned for the righteous. Number six. Principle number six. The righteous live by faith and faithfulness. This means we really believe that God is good and God is just, and we live accordingly. So let me ask, what are some of the situations where you might need to do that? Well, let me give you a couple examples here. Maybe in your church, whether it's here or if you're watching, listening, wherever you call, wherever it is you call your home church. Instead of changing churches when things don't go your way or there are problems, perhaps you need to be faithful to that church and try to minister to those who are there. That may not be the best option, but it definitely needs to be considered. Or perhaps in your marriage. Perhaps, or if a person is having troubles in a marriage, what is the current way of dealing with that? What does the world say is the best way to deal with these problems? It's getting a divorce right. That's just the simplest way. But the righteous and correct way to deal with the problem is to remain faithful to the spouse and work it out. Even if it's never worked out, you remain faithful to the spouse. Even if that person is doing awful things, saying awful things, and maybe given a pledge, an oath, made an oath before God to remain faithful. So you do what is necessary. If you need to get away from that person, that's fine. And maybe get some counseling or maybe talk to somebody, but, but the righteous thing to do, the right thing to do, the correct thing to do is to remain faithful in that marriage. Believe me, my wife and I, we don't always get along. There are a lot of differences. You know, we have our arguments, we have our discussions and our heated discussions. But it's been many, 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 many years since it's crossed my mind that, you know, I'm tired of this, I'm just going to leave her. That is just not an option for me anymore. I am in it until death separates us. You know, and and that's what I've made up in my mind. I may not have everything that I want in a wife. I mean, she may not have everything that she wants in a husband. But I'm satisfied with that. I have to be okay with that. 
because if I keep thinking of these expectations, if I keep thinking of these, of what I'm expecting and holding on to it and wanting it and this, why can't she just do this or do that? Then I'm setting myself up because maybe she never will. So I have to be satisfied with, with that. It's being faithful to her. It's being faithful to God, you know, and vice versa. I know there are a lot of things that she wants me to change, and it may or may not, not it may not happen. But I'm pretty certain that she's not gonna leave me because I sometimes chew with my mouth open. She can't stand that. She can't stand that. I think Bella can't stand it either. Uh, she's laughing because it's true. Um, it definitely annoys my wife. Yeah. And I don't do it on purpose. And she's been telling me for years and years. It's about 20, going on 23 years. You know. But, yeah, no. Again, we will work it out. And if it doesn't work out, then we will. It doesn't mean that we're just going to give up on the marriage. Um, there's more to say about that, but that's for a different message, different time. Now, okay, so Habakkuk in the New Testament is, what does the New Testament tell us about Habakkuk? Well, this book is very important in its relationship to the New Testament. Now, it's, it's generally conceded that the three great doctrinal books of the New Testament are Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews. All of them quote Habakkuk. In fact, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, is the background for their message. And what does it say there? But the righteous one will live by his faith. So this little book, this three-chapter book, as it, it basically looms over the horizon of Scripture as being important. So don't let that little short, don't let the fact that it's a short book deceive you. Importance isn't determined by how much you say, but what you say. Now I'll end this introduction by pointing out that Habakkuk asked God the kind of questions so many of us have pondered. Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. All of us have seen the evidence of evil 
in our lives. We've all been touched by it one way or another. And some of us bear deep scars, emotionally or physical scars, because of them. And we've also been through the various stages of healing. Surrounded by evil as if we are trapped in a dark prison cell of our own making, we are often downtrodden by our own poor choices and our fallen world. However, the book of Habakkuk reminds us that no place, there is no place at all, and no wall too thick for God's grace to penetrate in a powerful and life-affirming way. So in summary, I, I believe the message of Habakkuk will be a very comforting book for us since we live in a very wicked, chaotic, violent society and world. By the time we're done here, we're going to be able to look back at what Habakkuk wrote and see that it came true, that God was really in control, that God did protect the righteous even though they went to Babylon. Again, consider Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he eventually brought them back to the land. He restored them. Therefore, our faith in God can be bolstered by the prophecy and historical events that show that God's word is true. Before we begin going through this book next week, I want you to keep in mind that a lot of people have this misconception that when we, that prophets are going through prophecy means the prediction of future events. That may not, that isn't always necessarily the case. Prophecy isn't a gee whiz information designed to tell us what's going to happen in the future. See, brothers and sisters in Christ, know and understand that really prophecy is supposed to be good for the heart, for the heart, for your heart as a believer, because it helps you to see that God is in control and God is going to preserve his people. And thus, it's also meant to bring comfort for us now 
and hope for the future. I hope that you look forward as much as I am to digging deep into the book of Habakkuk, really just getting into it, reading it, and just examining it, breaking it down. Um, again, it is uh, just a three-chapter book. Um, I don't think it's going to really take us very long, but again, I'm just going to leave it in God's hand and see where he leads me and see where I need to I need to keep going. I need to stop and expand more, expound more. But um, I hope that you're excited, just as excited as I am. Also, those that are watching, listening, just keep uh, checking in with us next week and uh, and for the next upcoming weeks to see uh, where the Lord leads us with that as we go through that book. Um, I want to take a moment before I close it. I want to take a moment to speak to those who who are out there that maybe haven't yet, don't have any hope, don't have any faith, don't, you know, are just been walking around life aimlessly. You don't really. You haven't really, maybe you haven't really considered what is, if there's anything beyond this world, beyond this life. Well, let me tell you, you don't have to walk around aimlessly. You can have a faith that is more powerful than any kind of faith. And there is a greater hope, a greater life that awaits us once we leave this world. And that's through Jesus Christ. I want you to know that you are loved you are cared for no matter what you've done, no matter who you are. God loves you. He cares for you. And he sent his son to die you, to free you from the shackles, from the the prison, the imprisonment of, of death and the shackles of sin. He hung there on the cross to forgive you of your sins. And all he wants you to do is just come to him, repent of your sins, believe that God sent his son to die on the cross for you. Accept that forgiveness. Just allow him to come into your heart. So if you're watching, listening, and you're ready to surrender your life, you're ready to be born again, you're ready to to begin a new life. I want to lead you in a prayer to do that. But I want you to pray this with all sincerity. This isn't a free ticket for a free ride that will just... No, God knows your heart. and He knows what's in there. He knows if you really mean it, if you're really sincere or not. So if that's you and you're out there and you're ready, 
to be forgiven of your sins and have him to come have Jesus be the Lord and Savior of your life. Try to close your eyes and bow your head and pray this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and three days later you rose from the dead. I now turn from my sins and confess you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit so that He may help guide me in my new born-again life. In your name, amen. If you pray that, let us know. Contact us. You can call me. You can send me an email. You can send me a message on Facebook or YouTube, and I will get back to you. If you need a Bible, we'll send one to you. If you need a church to go to, you know, if you're here locally, we invite you to come and check us out here. But regardless, we want to know the story. We want to know about you. We want to know, you know, if you need help finding a church, we can do that too. We want to help you in your next steps. So definitely reach out to us. And thank you. Um, I hope you have a blessed week. Again, go out and vote. Uh, you have a week and a couple days. Do that. Well, until next week, goodbye and farewell. <laughs>